podcast world. What's up? We got a great episode for you coming at you. This life ain't for everybody. I'm Chad Milling. Thank you all for being here. And thank you so much for the downloads, the subscriptions, and for the continuous support of all of our partners and sponsors. The growth of the podcast is truly astonishing. I can't believe what the numbers are. It keeps growing. Um, It shows that we really are sticking to our uh, game plan and our focus on a diversification of guests and topics. We want to bring it all to you, and hopefully y'all pick up some tidbits that you can use that's entertaining. And I think that we have an episode today that is going to be one of those that we need to know about what's going on, the people that support our lifestyles that we truly believe in being in the outdoorsman, outdoors woman, providers, gatherers, hunters, fishers. This life ain't for everybody. Today we're talking politics with former Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor and future governor of the state of Wisconsin, Miss Rebecca Clayfish. How are you, my friend? I am great, Chad. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I watched a news report on Newsmax this morning with you on it, talking about the incident that happened this past five days, just north of here, your husband's hometown where he was born and raised. We've gotten into a little bit of the whys and the families and what they're experiencing right now. You've been asked a thousand questions about the incident and how you would start to change things. But the emotional part of politics can't be forgotten. I wanted to ask you first off of, you're a mom, you have two daughters, you have a family, you, you live a wonderful family life. This lifestyle obviously is going to take you away from your family at times. There's sacrifices that need to be made, but it doesn't take the emotions out of life and living. What, how does, I always talk about when people vote for hunting or trapping or environmental and conservation needs to do it and vote with science, use the science and the facts and don't always vote emotional. Do you center in on this when you go to give your, you know, your newscast this morning and your opinion on what just happened? How did you as a mom take your emotions out of it? Because you could have been a mom that was burying their kid this week instead of preparing a Thanksgiving dinner. How do you separate that to where you stand as an, a politician and not just a mom with her feelings that are, that are demolished when something like this happens? I don't think you can completely tease the two apart. You are who you are, and that informs how you make decisions. And what's funny about this situation is, Chad, you've been here this entire two weeks, and so you have seen the behind the scenes as well as the on the stage part of my life. And so you have seen me leave my family and go down to Yuma, Arizona and tour the border and come back with a new perspective on that. You saw that night when you had just come back from a hunt and you were preparing your cooking segment. You saw how devastated very personally I was by the news in Waukesha because you're right. I'm a mom of a dance team member. I'm a mom of a marching band member. And we have our first Christmas parade in a week and a half. It could just as easily have been our dance team, our marching band. I knew one of the women who was a dancing granny and died. I'm friends with the Milwaukee County supervisor whose granddaughter is now in a medically induced coma because she had to have emergency brain surgery because she was hit by a speeding SUV. I cannot imagine the devastation in these families right now, and I can't not think about it. I can't. And frankly, I think that makes me a better leader, not a worse one. Now, when I make decisions, are they largely based on data and statistics and facts? 100%. But a decision like this 
also needs to be informed by life experience. And in my life, I am a mom. I am someone who has deep concerns about crime and the crime statistics that we're seeing coming out of Milwaukee County, which are devastating our state and spilling over in every one of our 72 counties, not just Milwaukee County, because no county can contain violent crime that has gotten that big. And so, yeah, I'm looking at the data. Yeah, I'm looking at the the white papers and the statistics. But at the same time, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a cancer survivor, I'm a Christian, I'm a hunter, and I'm someone who cares deeply about the public policy that will actually help families. Chisholm, who's the acting DA right now, are his emotions dead to where they make decisions to where they, they're so heartless that this doesn't matter to them? Because they're making decisions that have continuously and consistently could have prevented things like this, but their decisions have continuously allowed this to continue happening with, I think you've quoted 5,089 cases on backlog of felony felonies convicted in Milwaukee County. Um, this makes no sense that you can be emotional and use your heart to base your decisions on and how you talk. It almost seems like they're heartless because this is a heartless act. This person should not have been out of jail, in my opinion. How is it done if their emotions are still intact? His emotions are still intact. He just feels for the wrong people, Chad. This is what I mean by that. He was quoted in 2007. And in 2007, he basically told people that um, he knew that setting bail very, very low was going to eventually lead to deaths. In fact, he said, you bet. I guarantee it. I would say that John Chisholm does care so much for violent criminals that he is willing to sacrifice the innocents for his political advantage. And it is disgusting to me. This is liberals. This is leftists. This is the the communist, socialist, anarchist movement that has overtaken big cities and big city counties across this country. This is the defund police movement. This is the ACAB movement. This is absolute lawlessness where violent criminals go through criminal justice proceedings and it is catch and release and they admit it. It's uncautionable. I'd fire John Chisholm. But is the, the reason why he feels in his heart and compassionate for these criminals, is it because there's a back, is there something else going on that, that we can be confident in that there's, I mean, I know that we can't just project this, but there's no way that a human being can say, yes, I care more about this man that's going to go kill these grandmas and this kid in a parade. Does my question now, make sense? Th- yeah, your question makes complete sense. How did he get to where he is, where he cares more about a violent criminal than he cares about a little boy who died, other little children who are recovering in the hospital, some in critical condition, and these dancing grannies and an additional man, all of whom were mowed down by this man, the suspect, 
who is currently behind bars, but was out to commit those crimes in the first place because of John Chisholm. How does he care more for a violent criminal than those victims? There are a lot of leftists who will say that we care for those people who have committed crimes because we feel that they have not been raised in circumstances that have allowed them to reach their American dreams. And were they not in those circumstances when they had their upbringing? Were they not subjected to terrible education, government schools that absolutely fail children? Were they not subjected to domestic violence or other types of abuse, lack of nutrition, lack of health care, lack of character education as children, then as adults they wouldn't make these decisions? Okay, I get it. We need to address those problems at their roots. We need to fundamentally change and raise standards in education. We need to allow more school choice so parents are more empowered to send their children to schools that actually educate children. We do need to teach character education. We need to make sure that young people are being taught healthy choices. We need to make sure that our adults are taught healthy choices. And we've got to end cycles of generational poverty in this country which lead to abuse, which lead to mental health problems, which lead to self-medication, which in some cases lead to criminal behaviors. We need to attack the problems at their roots. Feeling sorry for violent criminals after they have already victimized people in communities across Wisconsin is not the right way to go about it. We must address the roots of the problem, better education, better health care, and higher expectations. We also need to make sure that we're doing good community-oriented policing so it doesn't escalate to this place because we have now cyclical generational poverty and we have generations now that have known this education direct-to-correction system type of lifestyle. And it's unacceptable because now it is spilling out across the state And it was never acceptable in Milwaukee in the first place. Why is it that in America, you can have low expectations for certain areas as long as you don't live there and you don't have to see it every day? That's not okay. That's not the American dream. The American dream is accessible to all people. So why aren't more people enabled to live it? And I think John Chisholm just thinks, well, hey, let's let's start in the middle here. You know, after someone has committed violent crimes, let's just catch and keep releasing them over and over because eventually, eventually they'll figure out this American dream stuff. No, that's not how that works. We need to address it from the beginning, from the root. And we also need to address violent crime and be tough on violent crime and make sure that we aren't creating more victims. When you talk about the left and the liberal regime, have they lost their sense of reality or family? Have they are they on a different level to where they speak for gun control and abolish the Second Amendment? But I want to be protected by armed guards at all time. 
Um, wear a mask everywhere you go, but I'm not going to wear a mask when I do this. I see a lot of, you know, it's okay if we don't do it, but don't follow our lead. Just do what we say kind of attitude. It's almost like they become disattached from reality and family and with a core of what the Bible was written on, what this country was built on, what our forefathers saw when they, you know, when they started to put all of these laws in place, it almost says that this guy has no ability in his mind to think, those could have been my kids. That could have been my mom that was with the dancing grannies. It's like they don't have any sense of like, what if? And that makes no sense to me that they continue to make these kind of choices. When if you just pump the brakes for a second and say, well, what if? That should change your view right there. It makes no sense that they would go, oh, no, my, my mom's dead, but it's okay. We're going to let him out again. That's, that's crazy to me. It's, it's an rules, insane thought. It's rules for thee, but not for me when it comes to these leftists. And you see it all the time. Look at how Gavin Newsom in California just got caught. Right? Having dinner out with his friends, maskless, shocking. But for the rest of America, we're all sitting there thinking, you know, we, we live very rurally. We live social distancing, right? And we believe that it should be our personal choice and not government's choice on whether we get vaccinated for COVID-19. But yet, we see government officials reaching so far into our personal lives on an everyday basis because they believe they know better what is right for us. And the larger government gets, the more they believe, and it's not wholly untrue, that people will become dependent on government. And then the cycle continues because once you've developed a dependence on government to tell you, you know, what is right and and what is wrong, particularly think about how they did it with COVID-19, you relied almost completely on government sources in order to inform yourself on what numbers are correct and where it's spreading, where it's not, you know, what medicines are effective, what medicines are not, what treatments are effective, what treatments are not, what types of ways to live. This is how government creeps into our everyday lives. Think of, too, what Nancy Pelosi did, right? She went back and, you know, went into the the hairstylist. And, you know, the rest of us are thinking, well, golly, Tony Evers shut our entire economy down. And he told people that they weren't even essential. I met a woman the other day, Chad, named Emily. And she said she had saved up her entire life savings. And with her family support and with her husband's encouragement, she bought her American dream business. Emily bought a florist shop. And she loved it so much. She got to work in this beautiful medium, making people happy every day. And then COVID-19 swept across Wisconsin. Nobody got married anymore. Nobody needed flower arrangements. Nobody was even allowed to go to funerals. She couldn't make flower arrangements for that. Nobody was really even supposed to have any joy. It's not like we went to parties or you brought a hostess gift anywhere. Her business started withering away. And then, final nail in the coffin, Tony Evers determined Emily was non-essential. She went in one day to her florist shop, knowing that her American dream was dying. She opened up all of the coolers, and she took out all of her inventory. And she went out onto the streets of Clintonville, Wisconsin, and she gave away every last one of her flowers. And with that, her business was over. Her American dream was done because a politician, Tony Evers, made the determination that Emily, a human being, was non-essential. Emily, in order to support her family, 
went to work stocking groceries at her local supermarket. And knowing that that was essential, people would start to come in. They, they noticed Emily. They noticed her character. They noticed her resilience. They saw what she had done and how she continued to sacrifice to make ends meet in her family. And so one day the people of Clintonville came together and they said, Emily, we want you to be the head of our chamber of commerce. And that is how I met Emily. It was a statewide gathering of heads of chambers of commerce representing all the small businesses, most of whom had to deal with COVID-19 in some way, shape, or form, because you'll remember the governors of this country had to make a determination, and Tony Evers determined whether people were essential or non-essential, and in most cases, if you did big business versus small business, small business lost, according to Tony Evers. And so here Emily was representing all these small businesses with her character and her resilience, and I think there is so much Emily in all of us, we just want our American dreams back. We want our freedoms back, our constitutional liberties back. But big government is leeching into our lives in the forms of these dictatorial politicians like Tony Evers and Joe Biden and Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi, and we just can't stand for it. We got to fight. I've been a pretty good... Pretty good visit in Wisconsin the last two weeks. I've got to see a lot of country in this area. It's beautiful. Thank you. I would assume, and I can't say this with scientific data, but I'm going to make an assumption, which I understand what assuming can do to a person. I don't think I've seen a place, visited a place, in, spent a dollar in a place, said hello to a family or an employee or somebody in a bar sitting on a bar stool that would have voted for Joe Biden. And I'm asking that to say this. I'm saying that to ask this. How did the 2020 election in Wisconsin end up the way that it did? Because I, I watched it, I turned off the TV, and I woke up to a completely different story I went to bed with, which I was like, that's fishy. I understand big city, Milwaukee, maybe Green Bay a little bit, and that that can turn a vote just like L.A. and San Francisco can for a lot of the rural parts of the beautiful parts of California. Um, how does that happen? Because that preceded COVID. COVID come, you know, COVID is going on during the, during the, whatever you call it, the debates and everything. And I, my question to you, Rebecca, is how does that happen to where Seavers gets the ability to determine people non-essential through a government that comes into leadership that was not supposed to be in leadership, in my opinion, is there something fishy going on to where there's no way this state would have voted? for Joe Biden, in my opinion. I know that that kind of sounds preempted or that might sound pretentious a little bit, but I don't understand how this state even went that way. And they allow somebody like Tony Seavers to be in leadership when there's so much American dream here in Wisconsin. There's so much American dream here in Wisconsin. And one of my dreams right now is actual election integrity. And that's one of the things that we are fighting for, Chad. If you take a look at how things went down in Wisconsin in fall of 2020, there were a couple anomalies. First of all, we have something called the Wisconsin Elections Commission. It was designed to replace the Government Accountability Board, which was designed to replace our Secretary of State. And so what we're looking at is a variety pack of entities that administer election law. 
They're the ones in charge of elections at the state level. So today it's the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Did you know that in fall of 2020, the Wisconsin Elections Commission, none of whom are actually elected themselves, so unelected bureaucrats and appointees, determined that the Green Party candidate, Chad, would not be allowed to be on the presidential ballot. Well, you've probably, you know, been to, you know, countless states where it's very typical for the Green Party candidate or the Libertarian candidate to have a presidential candidate. Usually they're able to collect enough nomination signatures to get on the ballot, right? Same thing happens in the state of Wisconsin. The Green Party candidate is typically on the ballot. And in 2016, the Green Party candidate was on the ballot. It was Jill Stein. Jill Stein in 2016, remember Donald Trump's very first election, got about 30,000 votes. Now that's a lot of votes when you think about it. Here's a funny thing. Did you know that in fall of 2020, the Wisconsin Elections Commission determined that the Green Party candidate was not allowed on the ballot because they moved, apparently, in the middle of the collecting of nomination signatures, and there was a a paperwork error. They voted that the Green Party candidate would not be allowed on the presidential ballot. Now, remember, I just said in 2016, the Green Party candidate got 30,000 votes. Do you want to know how many votes Joe Biden won Wisconsin by? 21,000. Just that one decision by the WEC made a huge and impactful difference, and we should be asking questions. Additionally, the WEC did several very unlawful things, and this is why I am suing the Wisconsin Elections Commission. I'm suing them because they need to follow the law. We know that the WEC completely illegally blaming it on COVID like so many do in big government. If they want to reach into our lives, they blame it on COVID. And the WEC determined that within the 30 day legal window, they were going to change and reduce a whole bunch of polling places. So in COVID-19, in an election, the WEC took polling places in Milwaukee down from more than 100 to just under 10. Now imagine funneling all of these people who were used to going to certain places down to such a small number right before the election. They have to do that more than 30 days in advance. They illegally and blaming COVID said, nope, we're going to do it now because COVID. Additionally, we have something in Wisconsin called special voting deputies that go into nursing homes. They have to do it twice before they help someone fill out a ballot. They've got to determine, and they are sworn employees, so they've got to determine whether someone is truly capable of casting a vote. Because of COVID, the WEC says, they decided, no, let's just have the nursing home workers do it, people who are not sworn, people who are working at nursing homes as their career, have no knowledge or you know legal expertise in elections, instead do it. Now, the Racine County Sheriff's Department has released the results of their investigation that revealed that 
these folks were taken advantage of in Racine County. There were people in nursing homes who were voting who never should have voted in the past. But the WEC, blaming COVID, said no more special voting deputies because COVID. And so I am suing the WEC because they cannot do that. They can't go around and skirt the law and expect to be held unaccountable. But that's what they have been doing. So we're suing in order to force them to follow the law. You know, it's funny. There was an audit, Chad, that basically revealed all of this. And when the WEC got hauled in front of the legislature, they basically said, yeah, you know, we know that by law we're supposed to go through the legislature in order to make up these election rules, but the legislature has a Republican majority, so no thanks. We're just not, we're not, we're not going to do that. We just don't, you know, Republican majority, so no. So we gave them ample time to learn the results of the audit. I mean, they should have known that they were doing something wrong from the very beginning. But we gave them ample time after the audit came out to say, oh, wow, you know what? This was a a grave mistake, a horrible error. We're going to fix it immediately. Go before this committee in the legislature and we'll do things right. We're going to get it unscrewed up from the snarl that we made. Instead, they went in front of this legislative committee and they said, nope, I don't think so. COVID. This is why it was, this is what COVID was intended for. This is one of the thoughts out there that, um, well, maybe it was going to be the scapegoat that got all of this unwrapped because there was a man in office that many politicians did not want to be in office. They were threatened by somebody that wasn't a lifelong Politician. They were threatened by a guy that didn't need the money that the office brought. They were threatened by a guy that couldn't be. You know, or manipulated didn't, or didn't know it need the influence either. Didn't need the influence. I mean, he didn't need the presidency in order to be on TV. He didn't need the presidency. Nothing. But yet he took it on in order to fight for the Constitution, in order to fight for our veterans, to, to fight for our American heroes in law enforcement, our first responders, to fight for the average heartland America like the people you've been meeting right here in Wisconsin, the people who still believe in the Constitution, the people who are, are governed by a conscience and character, who go to church on Sundays and uh, who celebrate their, their neighbors, whether they join them in the pews or not. The people who care deeply about their communities, the people who came out to that Waukesha Christmas parade the other day, that's who he fought for. And the sad thing is that he was rejected for that. What was pulled off in 2001 during 9-11 was miraculous. Like, how could this happen? Like, they had to have masterminds to make something like this even thought of and and then carried out and executed the way it was. There was a reason why it was, we all understand terroristic acts, but as far as what was, what has happened to our country now, those people that were going to work on nine 11 were defenseless. They had no idea that they were getting ready to be falling out of windows at 200 feet, five, over 5,000 people perish in a matter of minutes and engulfed in flames, like treacherous for the American community. Now you look at this act of being defenseless of somebody like you or somebody that is in the outside watching it like, whoa, this is really happening, but we can't do anything. 
These Democrats are getting away with something like terrorists got away with where we're sitting back going, how do they do that? But the fact is, is that they did it and they got away with it and they did it to the point to where now the confidence, in my opinion, my question to you, Rebecca, is the confidence they have to have if they can pull this off to where ballot, you know, let's let, you know, balloted voting, I'm not balloted, but you can not go in and vote anymore. You can send it in from your house. There was all these ballots unaccounted for. There was all this quote unquote cheating going on. If they can pull this off, what's next? I mean, we have a president in office right now that literally does not know where he's at most of the time. Now, if it's his fault or whatever, we could feel sorry for the man if we need to. The point is, is that he is our acting president. He was the vice president to, to we know who, who I'm not a big fan of either in Obama, but I don't want to make it to where I sound like I'm anti Joe Biden, anti Joe Biden. I feel sorry for the man a little bit. He's almost like a puppet to me. Like he was put in place to just live this out. I'm wondering how somebody like you that has a family that lives her life, get, being a public servant, like you have as the, the ex Lieutenant government, the hopeful for the Republican governor of the leading front runner for governor of the state of Wisconsin in 2022. Did you feel defenseless when you're watching all this go down? You said that you filed a lawsuit and that you sued the WEC, I believe you called it, but do you, you feel defenseless when you're seeing the numbers come in and that nothing can be done, that our leadership is being tarnished? Does this happen in the mind of somebody like you? Like you're defenseless? Like what can I do about this? Because the American people didn't have a choice. We, The person that we were voted for, there's no way that 81 million people in this country voted for, for this president. There's just no way. With 71 million of them voting for Donald Trump, that's ungodly numbers for 150, half of the population to vote in the first place. To me, it just didn't add up. I felt defenseless, like, oh my God, no matter what we're doing, we, we're not going to win. And now your lady that started the American Dream Flower Shop was defenseless. My friends had to shut down several of their businesses and sell their homes and lose their slice of the pie in the American Dream. Are we defenseless when something like this happens? No. No. We need to stop being defenseless. You used an example that I never would have thought of. You said 9-11. What happened after 9-11? We came together as a country. We came together as a country. We need to come together as a country. Republicans have a bad tendency in the last 10 years to develop circular firing squads. And if you do not pass X number of litmus tests, then you get shot at. We need to unite right now, and we need to remember who is the opponent. It's not other conservatives. The opponent is the bad guys who are trying to reach into our lives and take away our constitutional rights and our liberties. Those are the people who we are fighting. Those are our opponents, not other people that we should be shoulder to shoulder with as we march on our opponents to take back what is ours. And when I say what is ours, I'm not talking about a particular congressional seat or a particular district representatives. I'm talking about our country. I'm talking about our communities. Those are ours because our founders determined they would be ours. And what do I mean by that? When Ben Franklin walked out of the Constitutional Convention, he was asked, sir, what do you have? And he said, we have a republic, if you can keep it. Chad, right now, we are in danger of losing our republic because there are people who are willing to just walk away from her. There are people who feel defenseless and defeated, and they would rather just take their ball and go home. 
don't do it. Resist every urge to take up arms against your fellow conservatives. Resist every urge to take your ball and go home and stop voting. Resist every urge to poke someone on social media if you know that you need to be united with them when fall of 2022 comes. I say that because we have to be in lockstep, all pulling in the same direction if we want to win. And in presidential bellwether states like the state of Wisconsin, in 50-50 states like the state of Wisconsin, we have potential to retake the governor's office and then I will assure that we get our nominee across the finish line in 2024 and we retake the Oval Office. It is the future of our republic at stake. We are not defenseless. Yeah, I filed the lawsuit. I have standing to file that lawsuit. Yeah, I started a little political action committee so I can fund a bunch of local candidates to start marching on these county boards and these town councils, these school boards, run for local office. If you can't think of any anything else to do, circulate nomination papers or run for local office. Start now. Knock on doors. Introduce yourself to your neighbors. Start a letter writing campaign to your local editor of your local newspaper. Start a petition writing campaign. Just show up at your local school board meeting and just hear what is going on. Be informed and don't rely on the media and certainly don't rely on social media. Be informed yourself because the more informed you are, the more dangerous you are to those in government who don't want you to know what's going on. They don't want you to know how far they are reaching into your life and into everyone's life right now. So be informed And you can sharpen your wit to assure that we take back all forms of government for constitutional conservatives who believe in the founder's vision for this country, which empowers individuals to do great things and live the American dream. So how do you inform me right now, Ms. Rebecca, of what just happened with the 12 or 13 Republicans that stood by Biden's infrastructure program and his new proposal of a I don't know how many trillions of dollars, $1.4 trillion. How does that happen within the ranks when these, when we're watching our, our rights as conservatives being flushed down the toilet or down the drain? How does that happen in politics when they are informed of what's going on? They know what's going on within the walls of our nation's capital. And, and they understand that they are in communication with all of the different state representation. How has that decision even come to the forefront? Chad, elections have consequences. Those people who sided with Joe Biden, those people were elected. That means that they are up for re-election. If you don't like the decision they made, remember what I was just saying about if there's nothing else you can think of to do, circulate nomination papers to get people on the ballot or run for office yourself, maybe one of the listeners to this podcast right now is thinking to themselves, okay, I can do it. I may not have awakened this morning, looked in the mirror and seen a political candidate looking back at me. But you know what? After hearing Chad Belding's podcast, now I'm thinking it may be me. We need more normal people. We need more people who are informed by their life experience, plus making decisions not on emotion like leftists do, but on data and statistics, doing what is right based on the facts but using their life experience in order to navigate through these things. People listening to this podcast right now, I encourage you to think about it. 
We need more bright men and women who are willing to serve in all elected office. We've seen moms and dads come out of the woodwork to fight for their children's education after Tony Evers shut schools down for an entire year and a half in Wisconsin. We have kids, particularly in our hardest zip codes, high free and reduced lunch areas and high crime areas who were literally locked out of their classrooms because their governor, the former state superintendent of schools, thought that that was a good idea. Want to know why he thought it was a good idea? Remember what's blamed for everything? COVID. He said COVID, but do you know, Chad, that three children died of COVID in that year? Three children and tragic, tragic deaths. I'm not making light of that in any way, shape, or form, but that was the reason he shut down schools for a year and a half. Do you know that in Wisconsin today, you are likelier to die a homicide victim in Milwaukee if you are a child than of COVID? 20 children murdered in Milwaukee. I told you last year alone, 190 people were murdered in Milwaukee. And now we've got a Milwaukee violent criminal who is out and allegedly mowed down six human beings, six innocents in the Waukesha Christmas Parade. We have an incredible mismatch here and lack of logic. Tons of lack of logic. So when I asked you the question about the the origins of what's going on in our, you know, this COVID and this pandemic. And I don't look at it lightly either of the deaths, but I also have a lot of questions of the testing of the, the influx and in funds for different medical institutions and hospitals. If the, I've heard stories from people that live in my local community, Rebecca, that told me their, their kid died after going to the emergency room twice before her death in her bed Two COVID tests, both negative, said it was dehydration and to give her tons of fluids, Pedialyte and whatever. The third time, they the baby monitor scares them. They go in and she's dead. They put COVID-related COVID related, um, death on her death certificate after two negative tests the same week. So my questioning is, how does this get to happen to families to, to where it, they, they're now in question of, Wait a minute. If we went in there and you're saying she died of COVID, then why did she have two negative tests? And why wasn't she treated the right way? Because now she's dead. So there's all kinds of these questions that are going through my head of what really was the reason COVID came into effect. Is it something that was just, is it man-made to do what it was intended to do? In my opinion, a terroristic act. That's how I see it on our American people and our American political system. I know that people are probably going to think that I'm crazy for saying that, but I'm not into conspiracy theories. I'm simply saying that what gives, what was the truth around this? Are we ever going to learn it? Is anybody going to be held accountable for this? It seems to me like you just said the DA did what he did. No accountability, no motions, nothing that goes into it. He's unattached from it. No, I said I'd fire that district attorney. But I'm saying, but people are not held accountable. But people need to be held accountable. But who's going to be held accountable for what's going on with COVID? Elections have consequences. John Chisholm should never have been reelected. After that interview in 2007, people should have looked at him and said, you got to be crazy that this man is willing to sacrifice the lives of innocents 
so that he can let violent criminals go with lower bail because he thinks that that's doing folks a solid. That's absolutely unconscionable. He should never have been reelected. But in a county like Milwaukee County, you're seeing so many people just run unopposed. That's what, Last year, I recruited 25 candidates to run in the darkest blue districts here in Wisconsin. And then I started a little political action committee so I could help them buy their literature and their yard signs so that they could actually run campaigns. You see people across this country right now marching and insisting on change, right? But yet these cities and these counties have been run by the same Democrats and leftists for generations. You cannot march and say you want change and then vote against the change agents that we actually put on the ballot. And so what I would urge is people to be outraged, be so outraged by the questions you have and how government is leeching into your life. Be so outraged that you are willing to do something outrageous. Consider running for office. Consider circulating nomination but, but papers. Hold on, though. You say the word outrageous. So if I consider running for office based on what I just said, which some people could term or coin that outrageous. No way, Chad. This wasn't man-made to get Donald Trump out of office and to get at-home balloting done where you can you don't have to go in and vote and they can count the votes or whatever. I understand that you might be in a position that you can't just make an outrageous statement like I just said. But if I think that outrageous, is it okay for me to go run on my outrageous belief that this is why I'm doing it because I feel this way? Jed, people do things and feel things and run on that on an everyday basis. What is this podcast about? What do you call this podcast? This life ain't for everybody. That life ain't for everybody. Right. And I understand that, but it needs to be for more people. Now, would I urge you to just, you know, run on that? No, I would urge you to do a little more sure. research and, sure. and develop a platform. Sure. But that's what I urge everybody. This is why I keep my eyes out and my ears open to anyone who could potentially be a candidate one day. If you are passionate about your child's education, if you are passionate about locking up violent criminals and assuring that victims are actually treated in a way that is just, then you have a reason to speak in the public square and, and be judged by voters on whether you ought to be in office and be serving the public. And I realize that this life ain't for everyone, right? But at the same time, if you're going to complain then you got to vote. And you know, just as well as I do, that our hunting and our 2A voters and our anglers, our fishermen, are not voting in the numbers that we need them to. And listen, if you want to complain, by all means, complain. But make sure that you've actually gone and voted. Less than, well, more than 50% of Wisconsin's hunters, licensed hunters, do not vote. So... How you, shocking is that? Texas is How the big, Texas blew my mind too. Every state where I live in Nevada, less than more than 50% of our licensed hunters do not vote. But we, the, what do we do? Just sit there and think that everything's going to be okay. It's not. You can watch it right before your eyes in California right now with what's going on with the ammo bills, the outlawing of bear hunting with hounds. It's, 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 you cannot hunt cougars in that state. It, little by little, they get a little bit. And they, you, Look you, at what has happened here in Wisconsin with the Department of Natural Resources just not even doing the wolf hunt this year. Not even doing it. Not even doing it. Not even. And they are it. right now. The Department of Justice is harassing the head of our Natural Resources Board because he is an appointee left over from the Walker Clayfish Administration. It is a cabinet agency run amok, 
And it is not okay. And voters, particularly hunters and anglers, should not stand for it. We need you to vote. We need you to be outraged. We need you to get involved. With this being said, we had something pretty exciting happen with an endorsement this last 10 days. We have about five minutes left. I know that you do a lot of these. I, I want to do more of these as we get closer to the election because I really want to push hard for this because you're an amazing woman, an amazing mother, human being. You're, I, we've become fast friends. But Ted Nugent endorsed you. We had a, a, a conversation with Ted. He believes, and Ted doesn't just do that because we asked him to. Ted's not dumb. He did his research. He did a forensic audit on you, and it was a fast one because Ted is smart enough to do it with what you stand for. He gave you a video endorsement that you've ran on your platforms now. You take this endorsement, and you have several other ones. What can we expect from you in office? What can Wisconsin and America, a proudful American citizen like me that has your same belief system, when I watch you on the national news from across the country, what can we expect from your government run, you becoming the next governor of the beautiful state of Wisconsin. Give me in a nutshell what your platform is, why Ted Nugent is so proud to endorse you, why I'm so proud to endorse you, and what the state of Wisconsin is going to go to the ballots and vote for come 2022. You can expect a strong leader, not a weak leader like you have seen in Tony Evers, who just permits the steamroller of government to roll over the Wisconsin citizens every single day, a strong leader who wants to take back control for the people of Wisconsin. I say often we need to get back to work, back to school, back the badge and give government back to the people. Those simple four things, and you can learn more about it at RebeccaForGovernor.com. But if we remember those four things, and if that sounds like something interesting to you, go to RebeccaForGovernor.com because we need to take back control. We need to go back to work, back to school, back the badge and give government back to the people. Back to work means we, we need more affordability. We need to stop separating our citizens on essential and non-essential, which is exactly what the steamroller of government under Tony Evers did the moment COVID-19 swept across the state. We need to get back to school. Our standardized test scores just came out post-COVID. Do you know that less than half of our black kids in Wisconsin are testing at or above grade level? It is 2021. How is it acceptable? How is it acceptable, Chad, that Violet, my little one who you have met, how is it acceptable that a mom like me and a daughter like Violet is allowed to go to school every day without wearing a mask and play interscholastic athletic activities and lead a normal life as a high schooler? But another mom in a different zip code is still sentenced to virtual school. How is it even remotely okay that based on zip code, kids are dealing with learning loss and an epidemic of anxiety and depression. We need to get back to school, but we also need to back the badge. We've spent a lot of this podcast talking about violent crime run amok. We didn't even address the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial that would never have even happened if it weren't for Tony Evers issuing a statement that fanned the flames of a culture war and led to $50 million in small businesses up in smoke and deaths of two men. This guy could not even be bothered to show up until four days later. And when he did and the media asked what took him so long, they said 
It's hard to travel in COVID-19. That is Tony Evers. We need to back the badge. I'd put a thousand more cops on the streets. I would use Wisconsin State Patrol to surge in areas where we have high violent crime rates until we had enough police recruits. We need to make sure that we are using body cameras in order to defend good police work. But then on top of that, we need to use the bully pulpit of the governor's office to support the men and women who stand on the thin blue line and not tear them down. But we also need to give government back to the people. And that's a couple things. We talked about election integrity. We have Republican majorities in both state houses right now. They passed a flight of election reforms. They went to the governor's desk. What do you think the governor did with them? He vetoed them. We need a new conservative governor elected next fall so that when they pass all of those election integrity bills again in January of 2023, after we're all elected and sworn in, that new conservative governor will sign those bills and she will sign them on day one. Day one. Day one. But on top of that, when we talk about giving government back to the people, it also has to do with the government overreach on this vaccine mandate. And I said in a press conference just a couple of weeks ago that Tony Evers needs to stand up to President Joe Biden and sue the Biden administration over the OSHA mandate, which we know that the Biden administration is now trying to do some weird end around in order to get back into place. And we know that Every day since, Tony Evers has not awakened and determined that he ought to file his papers in order to sue Joe Biden. He would much rather sit down with Joe Biden and have some vanilla ice cream than stand up to him and do the right thing on behalf of the citizens of Wisconsin. So very, very simple. Back to work, back to school, back the badge, give government back to the people. And the mandate of the vaccination should be a choice, in what, in your opinion. It's our body, our choice of what we put into it. Government should never dictate a medical treatment to a human being, to a free American citizen. Never. No vaccine mandates in Wisconsin. And we'll have an open invite to the inauguration party. I can't wait. And Ted Nugent will have an invite. I can't wait. Isn't he the best? You're going to get me some serious musical guests. Yeah. We're going to have a whole concert. It's going to be excellent. You're awesome. You're awesome. RebeccaForGovernor.com. We can go there and find out all this information that your platform is on. We can find out that. Uh, you can find out how to sign up to be a poll worker, too. You talked a lot about election integrity. And in Wisconsin, our clerks run our elections at the local level. They actually seek out poll workers from lists that come from the Democrat Party of a county and the Republican Party of a county. These county parties submit these lists to the clerks. The clerks are obligated to pull from these lists from the county parties first. In my entire adult life, I have never known a year that the Republican Party has filled out an entire list to submit to those clerks. You must volunteer to be a poll worker, not a poll watcher, which is still great, but the poll workers are the ones who check the photo IDs. They are the ones who tear open the absentee ballots and process them. If you want to find out what is going on behind the scenes, if you want to prevent anything from happening that you do not find appealing or full of integrity, then the way to do it is to work behind the scenes. You get paid and by law, your boss has to give you the day off of work 
Sign up to be a poll worker today on RebeccaForGovernor.com. We've worked really hard to recruit more poll workers. It's super important. We've recruited more than 500 so far. We need more. We need more poll workers, not just poll watchers. Sign up at RebeccaForGovernor.com. She will be the next governor of the state of Wisconsin. I'm proud to call her a friend. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you for being on the podcast. We will do another one. I cannot wait to see you take office. It'll be good. We're going to start to run fast again. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Again, RebeccaForGovernor.com. Please support the partners and sponsors that support us because I know they would all support Rebecca. And thank you, my man, my good friend, Ted Nugent, for the endorsement of Rebecca Clayfish. I can't wait to see her take office, and I can't wait for you to be at the inauguration. We'll be back at you with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What are you going to do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be pulling it off in a hole. Riches hill without a soul. Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do when the money's all gone?